0: Today, the workplace is more dynamic and diverse than it's ever been. Four generations coming together to contribute to our economy's growth, but new challenges in the workplace are growing each and every day. This podcast brings corporate leaders to you, sharing solutions and strategies to enhance your company's culture and bring your people together. Rise Up For You presents its newest podcast series, Workplace Solutions. People matter.
1: Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast, workplace solutions series. My name is Netalina Nasruddin. I'm your host and also the founder of Rise Up For You. I'm super excited because today our guest happens to not only be an experienced operations professional, but he also happens to be my older brother. It's taken him four years to get on this podcast, and I'm finally incredibly honored and excited to speak with him today because he has a message, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of knowledge to share with us. Before we jump into the podcast, I wanna make sure that if you haven't already, subscribe and get your free Become Your Best Success Kit. It's here to serve you professionals and your team members in the workplace. So simply text Rise Up For You, all one word, to the number 797979, and instantly you're gonna get your free success startup kit to help serve you as a professional and your team members in the workplace. So what do you say? Let's get started and speak with Walid Nasserdeen, an experienced operations professional who's worked for a number of Fortune 500 companies. He's going to talk with us about entrepreneurship within a corporation, what corporations can do better, how we can create the handshake with our employees, and how we can get to that next level with new innovative ideas. Rise up for you and enjoy this podcast. Here we go. Walid, well, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Rise of For You podcast, Workplace Solutions. It's an honor to have you here as our guest.
0: Thank you. Good morning.
1: morning. Okay, so we always like to start off the podcast by getting to know our guests a little bit better. And I will put a disclaimer in you guys that Walid is actually my older brother, but he does some incredible work um, in the corporate space and as an entrepreneur. So after four years of asking, we finally got him on the show. So, Willie, please, in your own words, tell us a little bit about the great work that you're doing, um, what you've done in the past, and what you're currently doing.
0: Uh, Yeah, so I mean, background is finance and economics, but uh, my day job is I work as an operations specialist, entrepreneur, and advisor. Uh, Work for large and mid-sized companies, managing kind of the front end of the supply chain, demand planning, business intelligence, operations strategies. Uh, Then I sit on the board of a handful of companies. I do some private advising. Have some small investments and some small startups, and then uh, a few passion projects that I I do for fun.
1: Okay, so what I really um, think is amazing about everything that you just told us, and that's part of the reason why I'm happy that you're coming on now, is that you're very versatile. So you have a diverse portfolio in the work that you're doing. And I think that up until now, there was a lot of differing views about it, right? You know, some professionals stick to one, you know, build your career in one area in your industry. And then you have other professionals like Gary Vee and individuals like yourself that play in a a number of different areas. And now, as you know, we've hit this pandemic where now more than ever, we have to be diverse. And so you have a diverse portfolio in the sense that not only have you worked in the corporate space and you still work in the corporate space, you're also an entrepreneur and you have a number of different investments. So you know, we thought that we were going to be disrupted by AI, by AI and little did we know that beforehand a pandemic was going to happen. So, you know, can you talk to us about having an entrepreneurial mindset in the corporate space? Because I think that's some of the challenges that we're seeing today is more in the corporate world. How do we pivot and make an adjustment and have that entrepreneur mindset of creating and building?
0: Yeah, yeah. what's funny is I actually just found out there's a term for people like me. Called intrapreneur, where it's where you act and think like an entrepreneur, but you're in a corporate setting. I actually didn't know that existed. Yeah. Um, but to me, like even most entrepreneurs aren't really entrepreneurs. To me, entrepreneurs are—it's a mindset, it's a philosophy. And so, um, I mean, in the corporate world, being an entrepreneur can be a blessing and a curse. It really depends on the environment. But if I were to kind of like break it down, like what that means, at least for your for your for your um, for your group is one, like most people in the corporate world, they follow the structure that's given to them. An entrepreneur goes the opposite way. They're like, this is the stuff that needs to get done and I'm gonna create a structure to get it done. So I would say it's really just a handful of philosophical beliefs, which one is, in the corporate world, you're hired for your your craft. Whatever you're doing, that's what you're hired for. Marketing person, finance guy. So you wanna be a master of your craft and you wanna take ownership. Uh, one of my reputations is that I don't turn out work and I don't put my name on anything that's not quality work. I don't care if it's going to another department, my intern, a leadership person, like I don't put out anything that I don't I don't wanna put my name on. And so being a master of craft, taking ownership of your work, being a decision maker and a problem solver, I mean, that's something that should be in the entrepreneur's blood. In the corporate world, sometimes there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy you kind of just got to push through and make decisions, solve problems. You got to act like that's your business you're running, even though it's just a job. Uh, another thing I would say is to communicate effectively. When you're in the corporate world, you have to be able to speak up, down, across, right? You got to talk to the leadership team. You have to speak to your employees. You have to speak to the other departments, clients, vendors. Like you need to, be able to communicate at every single level. And then again, most people don't think that they need to do this in a corporate environment, but be a leader. like even the people who are your employees, again, act like it's your business, be an example, offer help where you can, and make people's jobs easier. Like if I were to put it in one phrase, I would say you are more than your job function. And so that's really the difference between the mentality of a corporate person and an entrepreneur, which is, if I know Excel and I teach you Excel, if that puts my job at risk, I'm not really good at my job. So an entrepreneur should understand like you need to be a master at your craft, but you also have to have all these other things and you need to take ownership, run it like it's your business. And I mean, that's really the difference between a corporate employee and an entrepreneur. And again, there's some, there some corporate worlds that appreciate that. And there's sort of corporate worlds where it's like, this isn't the place for that. And I found that out because I've been in large companies, small companies, it really is a relationship thing where it's like that philosophy, that mentality mixed with the right corporate environment. And it's game over
1: yeah no I love I love that you added that last fact in though that you, some companies have fostered that mindset that entrepreneur and and some don't and I think that you're right in saying that you know if you have an entrepreneur entrepreneur mindset in the corporate world, then you have to figure out which corporations accept that. It's funny because while you were talking, I was thinking about a number of different clients that we work with. And as you know, we work with companies and individuals. And one of the things that we hear from companies is that they wish their employees had more buy-in you know, so that they did run it like it was their company and they did run it, you know, as if they, they built it from the ground up and they had ideas and they brought it to the table. And then on the flip side, we see the individuals that say, oh, well, I wish I could just create something from scratch and be more creative. And they have this misconception that a misconception that they have to leave the corporate environment and go build something from scratch on their own, which isn't necessarily the case. And so I like the fact that we're having this conversation about entrepreneurship, meaning that you can build something and create something and foster something and make it feel like it's your own without building a company from scratch, which can be very scary for many people. So I think I this is- mean I think
0: that's the biggest disservice that a lot of these like YouTube mentor, public speaker, whatever you want to call them. I think there's a notion that people have to go out and build their own business and work for themselves to be happy is bullshit. There's a lot of good companies out there where you can find a space and be happy and have your job. I'm a person that, even though I'm built like an entrepreneur, it's in our, it's in our blood, for personal reasons, I've decided I never really want to solely work for myself. Right? I want to have a baseline business, a company, a team, a business where I'm like I'm just supporting them and I could no strings attached, and go lay in my head on the pillow and sleep at night. And then I'll have my stuff on the side that I like to do and gamble with. But yeah, this notion where you have to work for yourself to be happy is... It's misguided.
1: I, I, I totally agree with you. And I was actually just having this conversation on one of my live streams about, because the last two years we've talked about this word purpose, right? Which is, all oh, I don't have purpose in my work. And so people are leaving to go find purpose. And even today I get resume, resumes for Rise Up For You because they want to work with us. And the resumes that I see today are seven months, eight months nine months because they want purpose where it's not really about purpose, but it's about having meaning behind what you're doing. And sometimes you're gonna work in a job where you don't feel like you have meaning, but you always have purpose. Otherwise you wouldn't be there. Even if purpose is typing in numbers into an Excel sheet. And so, I mean, I agree with you in that sense that I think we, the messaging in the past couple of years years with, with some of the influencers has really deterred working professionals into a direction that might not be the best for them. So I know you, I know you spend a lot of time, um, you know, in operations and, and I, and I can personally say just from watching you grow and your experience and the, and the demand from different companies that, that ask for you, um, you're great at operations. Tell us more about that. You know, there's a lot of companies obviously right now that are struggling with operations because of where we are in the world. So what's the most common problem that you see with companies and, i always talk about being in preventative mode but what's the most common problem that you see and where do you think the mistake is made
0: i mean so as an ops operations guy i would always lean toward like vision strategy process more the more technical stuff but obviously i know rise up for you is more about like personal development so i'll kind of like translate it into that thread i think the thing to understand is that people think that like companies are like these Giant godlike machines, and they like have all these amazing systems. And that they're, you know, if they make a, mil- a million dollars and they're international, that that means something. It actually means nothing. Like a lot of these companies, at the end of the day, it's just it's just people, and it's just average people running these companies. Um, they're no different than people running smaller companies. It's, just, it's the same exact thing. It's just larger. And so I think the, the mistakes that companies make are really the same things that that people make, which is. You know, one, they don't really know themselves or what they really want, and because they haven't defined who they are or what they want, they just kind of like go by what people tell them they're supposed to have. Right? There's kind of like this ABCs of life, and there's kind of like these ABCs of business, and so people just basically do whatever they're supposed to do, whatever they're told to do, or worse, even like what the status quo is. And like even the, even people who think they're innovative in business is just doing what the last person who said they were innovative did. Right, it's like Google does something, and now everybody else does something, and they think they're innovative, but no, they're just doing what they saw Google did. Right, it's like if you hire—I mean, you can literally say head of blank position, like director of whatever position—and you hire them in a company, and they're really going to do one of two things: they're either going to do what they've always done, or they're going to do whatever the latest trend in the sector is. And so, literally, like there is no real innovation; it's just like a copycat world, and people are doing the same thing everybody else is doing. No one's really taking the time to step back and say, does this fit us? Is this what we want to do? One of the one of the exercises I like to have my clients go through is I like to have their, take their business and overlay it onto a business model that isn't their business. So it's like, I have a client right now who's a graphic designer and I'm like, well, let's see what your business looks like if we overlaid it for like a family doctor practice. Like what is the, the family office for a doctor? What does that business model look like? And if we applied your profession to this business model, what would it look like? And creating different scenarios and seeing which model and which strategies actually work instead of just doing what the last person did. And the problem is that every strategy has good and bad things. So people do, do something, right? They do what they've always done and they're comfortable with. And there's some things that work. So they're like, why, why should we change? I know this is going to work. And so you try the new thing, it's like, yeah, a few of these things work. They they. You amp up the things that work, and you deny the things that don't. You kind of kick them down the road, which is so. I mean, if number one is you don't know who you're, who you are, and what you want. Number two is for most businesses and for most people, they're just afraid of change. Like people are really afraid of change, and I've, I've never. That's probably the biggest thing I've noticed in my career is like you go in and you can even try and make a small thing like we're just gonna change this document a little, and you'll get pushback because people are afraid to like make any kind of change to anything, even if they know the outcome is going to be better for themselves and the company, they're just not into it.
1: So why do you think that is? Because, you know, obviously you know what our clients are or corporations as well as individuals, as I mentioned, and we see most of the pushback obviously from companies, right? So it's this idea of changing from investing into maybe like marketing and sales and branding and strategy, which are still important, but the concept of now shifting and investing into like people development and soft skills training is still something that they're getting used to, or even wanting to adjust to, you know, there's still this conception or this thought that investment dollars need to go into directly making money where it could Benefit them greatly, and even make more money if they invest in these skills for their people. And so, why do you think that is? Is that change is hard? Do you think they just get comfortable? Is it too much of a risk for them?
0: I mean, honestly, it's all the above. Like change is change is not an easy thing. It's a necessary thing. And you know, sometimes, again, if if, especially when times are good, like if you would ask six months ago any company, like any traditional company. If you would've been like, hey, do you think you could have a, a more online presence, do virtual meetings, have most of your staff work from home, do digital investments to improve efficiencies and productivity? Do you think you could do that? Like, Would that be benefit your business? No one would've said no. But what they would've said is, but it's not really the right time for that. Things are good right now. Maybe at some point we'll cross that bridge when we get to it in the future. Like, so it's not really a function of like, not understanding that it's needed. It's a function of like, we don't really need it now. It's not a priority right now. Let's focus on some other stuff and we'll get to that when we get to it, which I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just human nature, right? Procrastination. It's like, you know, you need to read the book, or you know you need to do your homework or whatever it is, but you push it out until the last minute or it's too late. And the truth is like companies are like boxers in the sense that like what you gain in size and power, you lose in speed and agility. So for a large company to change, like even just to do a Windows upgrade is gonna be like, you know, a month long project and a million dollars. Like it's not, when you, the, the big companies, it's hard for them to change it, it's scary. And you have like investors and you know, you're, you're, you're a public company on a stock market. Like even the smallest changes is hard. But the truth is like that counterbalance of like big companies being stuff like that is what makes this time of being an entrepreneur and having all these resources available to invest in yourself and your company, like that's what makes it an amazing time because a small boutique firm who invests in its companies or invests in its employees, like they can compete, like a one-man show could compete with a corporation now. A one-man show with technology and branding can serve its clients in like China or Africa or the Middle East. Like it's no longer just like a local community. And with technology, everything is scalable. Barrier, barriers of entries have been knocked down. Like a person, I know a lot of guys who are running very successful firms, they all started out big companies. And they're like, screw this, I can do it on my own for half the price and make more money, why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you, when you talked about, and, and I talk about it a lot, is the preventative mode, is that we wait until it's too late um, and I think that this is really a, a shift that has to happen mentally across the board, companies and individuals. And and I think that you just said it beautifully is that you don't change until you need to not to say that you don't need it, but unless it's like staring you in the face and something's on fire, there's no need or there's no urgency to do it. But I really love this conversation, not because you're my older brother, but because I think you're the first guest that we've had on the show that's really bringing Um, light to both the entrepreneur and the corporate side of things and you know there's times where we get someone that's strictly on the corporate side of things and we get um, individuals that are strictly entrepreneur and obviously they have opposing views on on one another but this is really great to have a 360 view on both corporate and entrepreneurship how they can work together what are some of the differences and challenges so I'm really enjoying this conversation Um, We can talk for hours more because I really want to talk about also how you build relationships, which is a pivot. But I mean, you are like an expert in networking, building relationships and getting your face out there and building a community. And I want to dive into that. I think we should take a pause and and do a part two because um, this is so much great information that we just talked about. And I want people to process it and take it in. So what I'd love to do is jump into our golden section of the interview and then I do want you to come back and do a part two, where we talk about, um, you know, business networking, getting your name out there, how to build a community, um, and really build those professional um, relationships and how to leverage them. So um, I'd love to ask you some a quick random questions, just a, c- a couple words, uh, it's like our FIRE, our fire series. So what's something today, and we, I mean, we've been talking about, but what's something today that you would like to see different in the workforce?
0: Really? I mean, it's, it's, it's a lasting problem everywhere, which is just ownership, ownership of communication. I mean, the number of times I've been in a company and I've seen, it's always one of two things. It's either you have people who aren't taking ownership and, you know, this guy thinks this guy's doing the project and this guy thinks this guy's working on the project and this guy thinks this person's working. Everybody thinks someone else is working on something and it turns out no one was working on it because everybody else thought someone else was working on it. Like it's either it's either that or it's no one's communicating, and you have three people doing the exact same project, and no one knows that all three people are wasting their time because that guy's doing it, that guy's doing it, and that guy's doing it, which is just a waste of resources. So it's always that one. It's always it's really a combination of like the owning something, taking it, but then communicating out so people understand that you're the owner, you're taking care of it, so you don't have five people working on the same project
1: or nobody working on the project. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, I always ask for the golden nugget. So if you can leave the world with one golden nugget, what would that be?
0: Uh, I mean, it's kind of what I touched on before, which is like, don't make life more complicated than it needs to be. Just figure out who you are, what you want, and then go do it and do it the right way. No shortcuts, no excuses. You put in the work, you build yourself up, you be a better person, and you be nice to people and have fun.
1: Yeah, I, it just reminded me when I first started building Rise Up For You, the shortcuts, when I used to like tell you something that I was doing or give you an idea, and you'd be like, Netta, don't take a shortcut, just freaking do it. <laughs> and lastly, as you know, we're Rise Up For You, and I always like to, to end the episode with asking, what does Rise Up For You mean to you?
0: I mean, obviously I have a personal connection because you're my sister. Uh, I mean, I guess just philosophically it means like you owe it to yourself to be the best version of you. And then by being a better version of you, you inspire other people to be a better version of them. And it just kind of ripples.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that answer. Waleed, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to bring Waleed back for part two. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it, send it to your friends, your family, your coworkers, and then meet us back for the second episode part two with Waleed Nasruddin because... We're going to be talking about building professional relationships, leveraging your business, networking, and how to really get yourself out there and build a positive community, which he has done over the years in an incredible fashion. So, and if you haven't connected with Walid already, tell us a little bit more about how we can connect. Is there a LinkedIn page that we can go to? Or uh,
0: yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all three.
1: Awesome. And we'll put Walid's Instagram or uh, Walid's LinkedIn uh, link in the in the post below so that you can reach out to him. Thanks again, Waleed. We'll see you on part two. Thank you again for joining us here on the Rise Up For You Workplace Solutions Podcast. It's always an honor to have you here. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, we would be honored if you can like it, share it with your team, your coworkers, and don't forget to subscribe because each week we are bringing you educational and inspiring episodes to help you navigate through the workforce. We want you to join us, we want you to get the information, and we want you to help us navigate and make the workplace, this next generation, better, more efficient, and more productive. Thanks again for joining us here at Rise Up For You. And don't forget, if you haven't yet subscribed to your free Become Your Best Success Startup Kit, you're gonna wanna grab it, it's completely free, all you need to do is text 797979 and you're going to insert the keyword rise up for you all one word no spaces can't wait to see you next time and thanks again for joining us here on the rise up for you workplace solution podcast